Do we have the slide up there? We do. Fantastic. Well, we're, uh, we're in our series on prayer, and um, when we considered this weekend uh, coming as we were planning the series, we felt that it was appropriate to look at praying for our leaders on this Jubilee weekend. And, um, and so it's not a coincidence, it's entirely intentional that we look at what it is to pray for our leaders. We're thinking today about what leadership is, what God thinks about leaders, what God might think about kings and queens, um, whether they're a good thing or not, um, and uh, how we might pray into the situation that we find ourselves in. We pray into um, our country, our nation, and the well-being of that, the well-being of those in authority over us. And so as we think about these things, we come, all come from very different places. Maybe we have different political views, um, but this isn't a political sermon. I hope that it's a biblical one. And so uh, let's, um, as we turn to God's word, it'd be useful to hold open that, that passage there from 1 Timothy chapter 2 on page um, 1127, um, Let's just pray together. <clears throat> Father, uh, thank you that you are the king of kings. You are over us, Lord, that you uh, love it when we come to your word. We pray that your word would speak to us today. Lord, um, open your word to us and open our hearts to receive your truth. And we ask it in Jesus' name and in the power of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, why do we pray for our leaders? How should we pray for them? Are leaders a good thing or a bad thing? What's the, what are they there for? And what of our own leadership today? These are the kind of themes that we're thinking of under the banner of prayer. Well, I just wanted to make three brief points today. Um, the first <clears throat> is to do with authority and leadership. Authority and leadership. I'm very indebted to um, Graham Tomlin, who's given a talk on this. Graham came and spoke here a, a few months ago, um, but there's a talk um, that you can, I, I can send to you um, entitled The Theology of Leadership. And Graham makes these, this, this first section is basically stolen from his talk. Thanks, Graham. <laughs> um, where he makes the point that actually the Bible tells us that God is king. I read those verses from Psalm 8 um, this morning. Um, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And um, there are numerous references to the kingship of God. You, you may remember that uh, in Isaiah, the, the call of Isaiah, uh, he has this amazing vision of the throne room of God, God sitting on the throne, and he says, woe is me. For I have seen the king, God there sitting on a throne, king of kings and lord of lords. So the first truth that we're met with as we come to the Bible is that God is king. And therefore, all authority that we see on earth around us, including monarchs, um, those in authority in government, those in authority in business, in commerce, in families, all authority is derived from God's authority. It's delegated. God is the ultimate authority. God is the ultimate king and leader. 
But we see in the Genesis account that it's God's will to give leadership, give authority to human beings. Man and woman are created in order to, to bring order and productivity to the Garden of Eden, to the creation. Their aim in leadership over, <clears throat> over the creation is to both protect it and to work it for, for, so that it's productive, to nurture it, to make it fruitful. And so all leadership, in a sense, is, uh, is patterned in this way, that leaders have a responsibility to protect and also to, um, to produce, if you like, to, be, to, to bear fruit um, through um, whatever it is that they exercise their dominion over. And so if we return to that psalm in Psalm 8, a bit further down, it goes on to talk about human beings, what are, what are mortals that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. You made them rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet. So there's the, the leadership that God gives, the dominion, if you like, that God gives to humanity in general. It's an authority that is derived from God's kingship uh, with a responsibility. We are accountable to God in as much as we, um, we demonstrate leadership, dominion, uh, kingship even. We are accountable to God. We have a responsibility to, to God and to those that we, we lead, those that we uh, rule over, if you like. And the picture, um, the word that summarizes um, the type of leadership that the, the biblical account points to is service, a servant leadership. And of course, Jesus is the epitome of the servant leader. This morning uh, in our 8 o'clock service, we read a gospel reading from Matthew 23. And um, Jesus is commenting on the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And he goes on to tell his disciples, The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. That's Matthew chapter 23, verse 12. The picture of leadership that the, Lord, the, the Bible holds up for us is one of service. And I think I wanted to pay a bit of testimony today to, um, to the model that the Queen herself has given us of servant leadership. And um, in my research, I was drawn to the speech, there she is, uh, making a speech on her 21st birthday in Cape Town five years before she ascended to the throne. <clears throat> Queen, the, the princess at that point committed herself to the service of the nation and of the commonwealth. And I thought I might just read to you an excerpt from the speech that she made as a picture of servant leadership, as an example of that. 1947, two years after the end of the war, the world was pretty much on its knees. Rationing was still probably going on, I think, at that point. There was a great challenge to that generation to rebuild, to rebuild a better world than the one uh, that they had been brought up in. 
And this is the challenge that she lays down. If we all go forward together with an unwavering faith, a high courage and a quiet heart, we shall be able to make of this ancient commonwealth, which we all love so dearly, an even grander thing, more free, more prosperous, more happy, and a more powerful influence for good in the world than it has been in the greatest days of our forefathers. To accomplish that, we must give nothing less than the whole of ourselves. There is a motto which has been borne by many of my ancestors, a noble motto. I serve. These words were an inspiration to many bygone heirs to the throne when they made their nightly dedication as they came to manhood. I cannot do quite as they did, but through the inventions of science, she's referring to radio at this point, I can do what was not possible for any of them. I can make my solemn act of dedication with a whole empire listening. I should like, that, like to make that dedication now. It's very simple. I declare before you all that my whole life, whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service and the service of our great imperial family to which we all belong. A whole life dedicated to service. Well, it's easy to say the words, isn't it? Um, but I suppose what we celebrate over this weekend is that the truth that the overwhelming evidence is that that is exactly what Queen Elizabeth has attempted to do. What an amazing testimony and an example to us of servant leadership. And we celebrate that today. So, the first point was about authority and leadership. The second part is about the purpose of leaders. I wonder whether you've ever thought about why do we, have, why do we need leaders anyway? My brother, when I was growing up, was always a bit of an anarchist. He quite liked the idea of anarchy. <laughs> um, but as we know, anarchy in its most extreme is quite a horrific thing and can be very oppressive. There, uh, under anarchy, there's no control on the powerful. Um, there's no um, recourse for the weak to have their rights met. What is the purpose of leadership? Well, I think that in our passage today, we can see something of God's purpose for leadership. In verse 2, we, we're invited to pray for those in leadership and authority that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in godliness and holiness. We pray for our leaders so that the, the scene is set for life to flourish. And more than that, for the gospel of peace to be announced and proclaimed for the good news to spread. I wonder if you've ever thought about why it was that Jesus came when he did. Why didn't Jesus turn up in the 21st century? Or why didn't he come earlier in history? This is a question that I get, sometimes get asked on an Alpha course. Why did Jesus come when he did? Why did he come in the middle of the Roman Empire, which is what that picture is there? Um, well, obviously there was a convenience in it because BC had just finished and AD was just about to start, so it was a good time to come. 
you know, oh, okay, I can start, start my clock at zero. I think I'll come now. Um, but I don't think that was the main reason. I think the main reason was that after the Greek Empire had passed on to the Roman Empire, stability had been put in place. What was known as the Pax Romana was, uh, was in place, the peace of Rome, albeit a peace enforced with an iron fist. Um, it wasn't a particularly kind and nurturing empire, but what it, what it did was to allow for the lines of communication to be drawn up. The Roman roads that we have across our country, these incredible straight lines through the country that you can, already, you can still see today. I used to enjoy driving up the A68 up to Scotland. It's got all these blind summits because it, it's absolutely dead straight road over the hills, not, not round them. And so you sort of take off in your car as you go over these blind summits. The lines of communication had been drawn up. And what that meant was that the good news of Jesus could just spread like wildfire. And we can see it in uh, Paul's missionary journeys. He sort of traveled backwards and forwards across that uh, Mediterranean sea there. And news spread very quickly uh, in the scope of one person's ministry it just spread across um, the known world at that time. So one of the purposes that we see here in the, the, one, uh, the, the one Timothy passage that we just read is that leaders make space for growth by protecting, by enforcing, by providing peace and stability and safety. People's lives can flourish and also the good news can spread. So there's the authority of leadership, the purpose of leaders, and then what is it that pleases God? Well, it's this last point that we were just picking up on, that, um, that in, uh, in Paul's letter here, we go on in verse 3. This, in other words, the, the peace, the quiet lives, and the godliness... This is good and pleases our God and Savior who wants all people to be saved. That word good there means beautiful. This is a beautiful thing and pleases God who wants all people to be saved. And the way of salvation we've made known to us in the Bible that Paul himself describes himself as a herald of that. The good news of Jesus, who brings forgiveness for sins, the opportunity for a new life, a free life, the life of God. And so in order for true flourishing to happen, we need to have the good news brought to us of God's own Son dying for us raised to new life, that we might have hope of new life beyond the grave. And it's to this gospel um, imperative that I wanted to, to end with, really. I'm, I've got another excerpt from the Queen's Christmas speech that I wanted to play to you. I don't know whether you're the kind of belong to a family where you listen to the Queen's speech at Christmas. I haven't done for a long time, but this Christmas I was at my in-laws, and they do 
And, um, and there I was listening to the Queen's speech. And halfway through, when we got to this excerpt, I started weeping at um, the Queen, the, the, the monarch over our nation, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to our nation, saying how she prayed for our salvation. Have a listen to the Queen at her Christmas speech. I hope the sound's turned up there. With our armed forces deployed around the world, thousands of service families face Christmas without their loved ones at home. The bereaved and the lonely will find it especially hard. And as we all know, the world is going through difficult times. All this will affect our celebration of this great Christian festival. Finding hope in adversity is one of the themes of Christmas. Jesus was born into a world full of fear. The angels came to frighten shepherds with hope in their voices. Fear not, they urged, we bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. Although we are capable of great acts of kindness, history teaches us that we sometimes need saving from ourselves, from our recklessness or our greed. God sent into the world a unique person, neither a philosopher nor a general, important though they are, but a saviour with the power to forgive. Forgiveness lies at the heart of the Christian faith. It can heal broken families, it can restore friendships, and it can reconcile divided communities. It is in forgiveness that we feel the power of God's love. In the last verse of this beautiful carol, O Little Town of Bethlehem, there's a prayer. O holy child of Bethlehem, descend to us, we pray. Cast out our sin and enter in, be born in us today. It is my prayer that on this Christmas day, we might all find room in our lives for the message of the angels and for the love of God through Christ our Lord. I wish you all a very happy Christmas. Well, happy Christmas. <laughs> what an amazing thing to have your monarch praying for you. And so in partnership, with our leader, our leaders, what we do is pray for them. And in a moment, we're going to pray a prayer. I'm going to take the, the ancient prayer book prayer for the queen. Um, and then Kuli is going to come up and, and lead us in more intercessions. We pray for our leaders that they might be peace, that they might protect those in need. And we pray that the gospel would spread under their care. I close with these words from 
from the prayer book. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, high and mighty, King of kings, Lord of lords, the only ruler of princes, who dost from thy throne behold all the dwellers upon earth. Most heartily we beseech thee with thy favor to behold our most gracious sovereign lady, Queen Elizabeth. And so replenish her with the grace of thy Holy Spirit, that she may always incline to thy will and walk in thy way. Endue her plenteously with heavenly gifts. Grant her in health and wealth long to live. Strengthen her that she may vanquish and overcome all her enemies. And finally, after this life, she may attain everlasting joy and felicity. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.